What is good, everybody? And I struggle to get out the good right now after the loss, unfortunately, the end of whatever the heck we can call this 2020 MLS season. What is good, defenders? Welcome to episode 130, 130 of Defenders of the Bank. You know my voice. I'm the scarf, J.R. Liebert, and this was a rough one tonight. Another loss to the Seattle Sounders, another 3-1 playoff loss to the Seattle Sounders, more Raul Ruiz Diaz wreckage that we had to clean up, unfortunately, and about the only bit of joy that I had in watching this match was that a socially distant 6-10 to feet away from me, the entire time that this match was going on was my partner in pod, you all know him as Philly, Christian Philemon. Hello, La Bufanda, my old friend. LAFC is out of the playoffs once again. No more season for us to play. 2020 needs to go away. We got CCL in a few more weeks. Not liking this losing streak. Today's scarf, we got silenced. By the Sounders. Ah! <laughs> a little Simon and Garfunkel and a little Jack Daniels or Topo Chico or whatever you I don't have. know. It was a mix of three. Was... Let's just, we'll just call it a Scotch blend. How's yeah. about that? Yeah, that was a, a Scotchy blendy song. You could actually pick that up on SoundCloud if you guys follow <laughs> Philly's SoundCloud account. The millions and millions are turning into the thousands and thousands <laughs> after that one. Look, Philly is, there's probably a little bit of jealousy there for Brian's song. It has caught on like <laughs> wildfire, dare I say, sweeping the LAFC podcast nation. But there was no Brian song to be sung. There there was there, there weren't a lot of songs to be sung after this, Philly. It well, the way a, most fans feel about him, there was no Brian to be hung. No, there was no Brian, period. You know, it was, it was a rough one here for LAFC. Look, the 2020 season has been anything but normal, but unfortunately... We got a little bit of normalcy restored in terms of the way that we've played in playoff matches, especially against Seattle. Like I mentioned, our second straight 3-1 loss. Now, look, we had our chances in this match, and we'll talk about that in our match recap. And this 3-1 loss, it doesn't sting. Uh, Philly, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know how you feel, but it doesn't sting nearly as badly as last year's 3-1 loss. But something about the end of Major League Soccer's season for us without hoisting MLS Cup is just... I feel like we're we're putting off the inevitable, but now we have to go through another entire year to make the dream reality. We all have such high expectations for our teams, and there's been such high expectations in the City of Angels to begin with. We had the Dodgers and the Lakers Woo! win their respective titles. And they had to do it facing a, a COVID-impaired type of a season. We all had our hopes pinned on the fact that LAFC would complete the domestic treble. But sadly, that wasn't the case. And th this year, and we're going to go into this as the pod goes on, but this just was a bad year. And, and I, in a way, I'm glad to see that it's over because now is just a time to regroup and restructure some things. We need to recalibrate our thinking. We rode the highest of the highs 
uh, last season, and this year was just up, down, up, down. I, I don't know what being bipolar is like, but I mean, watching this team was probably the closest any of us will get to understanding what, what uber highs and uber lows are, but the very least, you know, Seattle stuck a fork in us. Now we're done. I, I, I don't know if I jinxed us the other day by saying we were going to cook flounder tonight, Scarf. We certainly aren't cooking any of that Dallas steak, with the exception of Thanksgiving, <laughs> going vegan in terms of my comments. Look, I will live and die by following the black and gold. So look, Philly, you had optimism going into this, wanting not just seared flounder, but that beautiful Dallas steak as well as we made our way through MLS. Black and blue. Philly, I, I kind of joked with you, right? Because you're you're the, the vegan, pescatarian, whatever it might be. So I was wondering where you were going to put that steak that you were talking about. I mean, I'll gladly finish an extra steak or two. <laughs> Look at me. I'm, I'm in shape, just not the shape I want to be in. <laughs> But, you know, it was it was rough. I, I definitely was optimistic, as were you, that we could get through this match. But, you know, we, we talk about strikes and gutters, man. The dude abides. The big Lebowski. This season was a series of strikes and gutters. And we'll talk about that. Our next We certainly episode, didn't have any bumpers, by no, the way. No, you're absolutely right. We had no bumpers at all. Our next episode is going to be a 2020 season recap. We've got a lot of fun things planned for you guys in the offseason, which has not started yet. 22 days from now, we get to take on Cruz Azul with what I would imagine would be a fully stocked weapons cupboard of LAFC black and gold chaos that we are going to bring down on Cruz Azul in Orlando. I can't wait to see what we can do there. That will be fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have everybody back, I would imagine. Brian Rodriguez, Diego Rossi, Jose Cifuentes, Diego Palacios, maybe even Danny Musovsky. Don't care about Andy Nahar. (laughs) But that being said, I can't wait to see what we do against Cruz Azul. Our season is not over. Just the incredibly interrupted and perfectly disjointed MLS portion of our season. But Philly, look, we've had a lot of time in between two matches. We've had 16 days from our last match. There has been a ton, a ton of things go on in the LAFC universe. And we're going to hit up our news and notes segment here before we get to this day in LAFC history, because there are just a couple of things on this day in LAFC history. We want to get to the news and notes first. And for me, Philly, I think that one of the most exciting pieces of news that happened on the LAFC Newswire these last 16 days is Angel City FC, the NWSL team that will play as the 11th team in NWSL. Nice round number there by NWSL. The 11th team has decided that they are going to play at Bank of California Stadium. Philly, the Cathedral of the Black and Gold, is very quickly also going to become the Cathedral of the Angels. We've got roommates, Philly. Yeah, we do. Cathedral for the Angels. Most certainly Angel City FC to be playing at Bank of California Stadium. And I am beyond thrilled. And not just for obvious biased reasons. The fact that we love LAFC might give us a slight bias. But the bank as a facility, even for a neutral party, is just such a magnificent place to catch a game, to catch a concert. Throughout the course of the season between Open Cup, playoffs, regular season, we're lucky if we get there 20 times, sprinkle a concert in there, maybe 23, 24. Now we'll probably have an additional 17 to 20 opportunities 
if you're a season ticket holder, to continue to be going to Bank of California Stadium. And I know we're going to get more opportunities to see more familiar faces. And I'm quite happy that they're not starting their season next year because God knows what's going to happen in the freaking world. But 2022, I would say it's highly likely that we're all going to get to bump elbows and hopefully give each other hugs and celebrate a new team that is going to kick some major booty at Bank of California Stadium. Philly. Serena Williams, Mia Hamm, and a host of other former U.S. women's national team, not just World Cup winners, but gold medal winners. Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Garner, Natalie Portman. Which we've seen in the Founders Club, by the way. I mean, are you kidding me? Panda stalked her. She kind of did. I can't wait. The ownership group. By the way, what's really awesome about this, number one, if you've got daughters who want to see real, live, professional women's soccer in action, I have to imagine that Angel City FC is going to be the best experience that you can find within the entire state of California. And I'm really hoping, and and, and look, here's a call and a hot take with the scarf. Here we go. I'm hoping that LAFC fans and Carson fans and fans of any other soccer out there can come together for the sake of their daughters, for the sake of their wives, for the sake of any fans of Angel City FC. Because look, as much as, yep, our team is the one hosting Angel City FC, Bank of California Stadium, the Cathedral of the Black and Gold will be draped in Angel City FC regalia every single match that they play. But look, They've got some Galaxy ties as well as ownership, Philly. They've got Becky G, who's, you know, Mrs. Sebastian Legette. They've got... Mrs. They Love Du Bois? Yeah, Mrs. They Love Du Bois. They've got James Corden. They've got Kobe Jones as one of the owners. They've got some Galaxy ties. But look, let's put away all the weaponry that we have in this rivalry And let's make it all about Angel City FC. I'm excited to see some women's soccer action. Philly, you and I got to take in a Portland Thorns match when we helped Portland open up. It was awesome. Yeah, it was was incredible. We stayed an extra day when we helped open Providence Park with a 2-1 loss for Portland. And we stayed the extra day, watched the Portland Thorns. It was a fantastic experience. Angel City FC is going to blow every experience in the NWSL out of the water. So I'm super excited with that. Heck yeah. Angel City FC coming to Bank of California Stadium. Sign up for that membership. Absolutely. Let's get into news and notes real quick. I'm going to start with a little This Day in LAFC history, though, Philly. Just one thing on my end, and I know you kind of have a, a piggyback birthday as well. But just one thing on the notes for This Day in LAFC history. Happy 34th birthday to the recently retired, oh, to be able to retire at 34, <laughs> Danilo Silva. Happy birthday to Danilo Silva. And look, though Danilo played in just 19 matches across all competitions for LAFC, he will certainly be remembered in the history of our young club. He was acquired in August of our inaugural season, 2018, and he would score the first ever playoff goal. That's an incredible trivia stat and trivia question who scored the first playoff goal in LAFC history I'll give you 20 guesses and I'd be surprised if a lot of our listeners would get Danilo Silva Danilo scored the first ever playoff goal against RSL nodding the match at one in the 31st minute of course Danilo retired back in September of this year after recurring back issues forever black and gold we wish a very happy 34th birthday to Danilo Silva. Philly, I was shocked, though, that it's also another black and gold faithfuls member 
birthday, and he's not 34, but we got to flip those numbers. Is he really 43? Colin Hanks turns 43 today, folks. For those of you who grew up watching films like Orange County, gosh, 43 is Colin Hanks. Finally, there's somebody that's older than me. Colin Hanks looks way younger than you He looks great for his age. What I will say about him is, I mean, he's been there from the get-go. We knew he was there season one, season two. He's he's been a great follower of LAFC, and happy 43rd birthday to Colin Hanks. God bless. All right, so several LAFC players have added to their hardware case since the regular season ended. How about the old man YMCA game? Bradley Wright Phillips, comeback player of the year after his fantastic rebirth this season. Five goals and four assists in the regular season to go with four goals and two assists in the MLS's back tournament, showing why he is still one of the men of Major League Soccer who can put it in the back of the net at any time. The sixth leading scorer in MLS history, plenty in the tank. Philly, let's talk about another LAFC player taking home some hardware, Diego Rossi. The man who scored the first goal against the Sounders. Ooh, that was like a hardcore take on But that not chant. today against the Sounders. Not today. Rossi added another trophy that was already stuffed case this year as he was named the Young Player of the Year. This award replaced Rookie of the Year. Oddly enough, any player aged 22 or younger at the start of the season is eligible for this award, and Rossi was an easy selection. And if I'm not mistaken, the league has not announced their MVP as of yet, and Rossi is one of the top five nominated players for this, so he still has a chance at not only getting a golden boot for the COVID Cup, not only getting a golden boot for the regular season, not only getting the Young Player of the Year award, but he may have a chance at getting an MVP award, and with his presence not on the pitch today, there's no doubt that he is a most valuable player on our roster scarf. Yeah, look, I'm really happy that the voting happened before the playoffs, though, because also up for that award is Nico Lodiero and Jordan Morris. Yeah. And they certainly look good tonight. Also, more could be coming for the black and gold as Mark Anthony Kay, one of three finalists for the MLS Works Humanitarian of the Year. And look, I'm going to say it. We're all thinking it. The 2020 Defender of the Year also has some black and gold ties as well. Walker Zimmerman. Look, congratulations to Walker Zimmerman. You might have thought whatever you wanted to think about Walker Zimmerman. I thought for sure Walker Zimmerman, one of the best center backs in Major League Soccer. Yeah, without a doubt. There was no doubt. And people complained about him when he was here. People complain about people all the time, and when they're gone, all of a sudden, they're godlike. Walker Zimmerman gets the 2020 Defender of the Year Award. Congratulations to a member of the Black and Gold. And I'm going to say this. Walker Zimmerman with Nashville have done something that LAFC haven't done, unfortunately, Scarf, and that's win two straight games in the playoffs. Congratulations to Nashville on your expansion season. Not only did you make the playoffs, but you took care of the other expansion club, the Fighting Ibises of David Beckham, and you also shockingly dispatched Toronto FC. I thought this going into the match, Scarf, if, if it's another MLS Cup final between Seattle... And Toronto, I'm not going to watch it. (laughs) I mean, I was going to watch it, but it's going to be like, come on, we need another story. But hey, Nashville already took care of that problem. Now somebody needs to take care of that sounder problem. Philly, you're absolutely right. It's not just two straight matches. It's two matches of any kind in the playoffs that Nashville has won. We have not won two matches, even though we've had four tries at it in the MLS Cup playoffs. Philly, the other thing that you and I were talking about, 210 minutes of playoff 
matches so far in Nashville's history. And with that back line, and that's not including stoppage time, they've yet to concede a goal. Walker Zimmerman, that trade looking a little more dubious every single day, my friend. And as we, Nashville advances in these playoffs, we man, got a most valuable papel out of that trade. I'm I'm looking over my shoulder at Walker Zimmerman, going, boy, do I wish we kind of had a Walker Zimmerman right now. But that being said, on the 20th of this month, MLS also named their best 11 for 2020. And it's more of the same for Diego Rossi. Rossi became the fourth different LAFC player to be named to a best 11 following Carlos Vela in 2018. And Edward Atuesta, Walker Zimmerman, hey, we just talked about him, and Vela again in 2019. Of course, Walker also joined Rossi on the team this year, rounding out MLS's best 11 for 2020 goalkeeper Andre Blake and defender Mark McKenzie of Philadelphia, defender Jonathan Mensa of the crew, midfielders Posuelo from Toronto, Nico Lodiero from Seattle, our favorite Diego Chara of Portland, midfielder Brendan Aronson of Philly and soon to be with Red Bull Salzburg, and those two guys from Seattle again, Jordan Morris and Raul Rui Diaz, but Philly, oh Philly. 13 miles down the road. They made a certain investment in a player at the beginning of the season, and I just have to believe, Philly, that one of those things that they thought they were getting when they signed Chicharito was a boom in jersey sales. Because, Philly, who was the top jersey sale of 2019? <laughs> the guy who scored in every Serie A match that he's played in this season with AC Milan. One, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was that number one jersey sale for the entire time he's been in the league. And, and you got to think that Carson thought, dude, we're, we're replacing one mega star with another. Certainly Chicharito in his first and what might be only season for the Carson Galaxy Everyone is going to buy his jersey. It's going to be the most highest-selling kit far and away. There's no way that a guy who's already been in the league three seasons would be able to outsell Chicharito. Rutro Carlos <laughs> Vela does not care. Injured for most of the season, doesn't matter. Already played in the league three years, doesn't matter. No one owns an MLS jersey of Chicharito before the start of the season, does not matter. Carlos Vela, the top selling kit of the season. Congratulations to Carlos Vela. Diego Rossi, by the way, also checking in at number 17. For the first time, by the way, in the top 25. That's pretty good. In the top 25. Also, speaking of the number 17, smooth segues from Defenders of the Bank. On November 17th, it brought us new, relatively substantial rumors, dare I say, Philly. The transfer destination for Raito, I know we've had a lot of conversations, but this was a new one, Philly. According to the report of a report on a report, that's right, on MajorLeagueSoccer.com, Benfica, yes, Benfica, the very team that sold us the former third DP and first disappointment, Andre Horta, <laughs> is now interested in acquiring Brian Rodriguez in the next transfer window. We shall see. Philly, Speaking of emptying your wallets, LAFC is trying to find, smooth segues with Defenders of the Bank, a way to empty your wallet over the holiday season without you having to get off of your couch, and I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued big time because it comes on an application that I use at least three or four times a week. Yes, Defenders, that app is Postmates. You could have 
and gotten it just in time for the playoffs. Ordered LAFC gear on Postmates. That would easily have come along with your ramen, your tacos, your pizza, whatever the case. I, I Imagine that, defenders. You're sitting on your couch one day, you're having a couple of drinks, and you're like, hey, I really want some ramen. But yo, I want an LAFC hoodie too. Well, guess what? You can do it all on the Postmates app. Unbelievable. But there's a catch to it. The store's got to be open. LAFC HQ has to be open. It's not as if you can order it 24 hours a day because at 2 in the morning, if you want to order yourself a LAFC snapback, you're not going to get it. So you got to make sure that you keep an eye out on the Twitters and, and keep an eye out on the Postmates. It won't be available 24 hours just yet, but yeah, you could order your snapback along with your ramen. Unbelievable ways that this club is finding for uh, <laughs> to separate us from our wallet scarf. Look, Philly, I know what you do on eBay after several whiskeys and it's late at night. I am just so happy for you that eventually this shop closes down on Postmates. Otherwise, Philly would be broke at this point. So, oh, man. Look, it, one more LAFC piece of related news before we get into the little bit about the uh, the COVID issues of LAFC. And, and it's a local one for me here, the scarf. I live in Lawndale, California, just in case that you guys didn't know. UCLA announced their recruiting class of 2021, which, by the way, was ranked number four in the nation, according to Top Drawer Soccer. And one of their prize recruits was a local kid from Lawndale and, better yet, a member of the LAFC Academy. We want to give a huge congratulations to midfielder Mauricio Gutierrez out of Lawndale High School, the Cardinals of Lawndale. Congrats to Mauricio, who will be coached, at least in part, by Benny Failhaber next season at UCLA as Benny is an assistant coach for the Bruins. Congrats to Mauricio Gutierrez out of Lawndale High School, for UCLA and the number four recruiting class. And Philly, one last thing of news and notes, and this will bleed right into today's lineup and the recap and everything else that we get in to this match and the loss to the Seattle Sounders. It was a frustrating international break for our LAFC players, to say the least. And I say frustrating because we are a family-friendly podcast here at Defenders of the Bank. In addition... To all four of our players testing positive for COVID-19 and missing our first round and only playoff match of 2020, none of those four players, Diego Rossi, Brian Rodriguez, Jose Cifuentes, and Diego Palacios, really had a chance at all to make any lasting impressions with their national teams. Philly, why don't you tell us about the impact or lack thereof of Jose Cifuentes and Diego Palacios? Neither Sifu, neither Palacios are consequential in Ecuador's efforts to qualify for the 2022 World Cup. November the 12th, Ecuador advanced past Bolivia 3-2. Palacios was an unused sub, while Sifu wasn't even eligible for selection. Five days later, Ecuador blew the doors off of Colombia 6-1. I'm sure they're going to rub it in Edward Atuesta's face when they get back. Mm-hmm. With neither LAFC player even being eligible for selection. All that time away, missing a first-round match, and not even being able to represent your international squad, it sucks. Yeah, but Philly, it doesn't get much better for the Uruguayans and their partying ways that apparently they might have had 
Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez had much of the same fate with Uruguay. Their first match, which was a 3-0 win over Colombia, that same Colombia team, man, they got beat up. Both Eddie Segura and Edward Atuesta maybe should have been on that team. Saw both players, Rossi and Rodriguez, eligible, but neither used. Four days later, Uruguay fell to Brazil 2-0. At least Brian Rodriguez got to play. He came on in the 60th minute, but Philly, 11 minutes later, Edison Cavani got red-carded, a straight red, and and that spelled the end for Uruguay. So B-Rod was never really able to do anything. Rossi didn't play at all. So in case you were keeping score at home, here's the rundown. Jose Cifuentes, two matches, neither even eligible for selection. Diego Palacios, two matches, zero minutes. Diego Rossi, two matches, zero minutes. Brian Rodriguez, two matches, 30 minutes. Four players, 30 total minutes, four COVID positive tests. What a bust of an international break for these players. Yeah, I get it. But at the same time, to play devil's advocate in that sense, we weren't going to get him anyway, COVID or not. That's just the world that we're living in. The fact that they're getting those nods, the fact that they're getting to play with some of these higher caliber type players, the fact that they're getting to know some of these international coaches, look, it's still a good thing to put on their resume. And we know these players are all young. They're not going to go they're not going to have a Jordan Harvey-like career in Major League Soccer. So as unfortunate as it was for us, for them, still a good experience. Hopefully that party that Rahito and Rossi would have potentially been a part of was worth the COVID because not playing and catching COVID really does suck, for lack of a better term. But again, to play devil's advocate, not a bad thing for these guys to get any kind of nods in that respect. Smart. Look, this this international break was like the suck cut from Wayne's World. <laughs> well, it certainly does suck. Anyway, let's get into the recap. Let's go to the previous history. It doesn't matter what the previous history was. Yeah, yeah we'll use last year's match as fuel, but if you have to get up for a playoff match, then you're in the wrong sport. Let's go to the run of form. It doesn't matter what the run of form was. Sure, LAFC was 2-2-2 and in their last six, while Seattle was 2-1-3 and in their last six, but who cares heading into the playoffs? So Philly, that leads us to the injury report, and as we talked about, we knew we would be missing... Diego Rossi, Brian Rodriguez, Jose Cifuentes, and Diego Palacios, all with COVID. However, the Kaiser Permanente injury report gave us yet another shocker heading into our playoff tilt against Seattle, the Moose, Philly, who I know is probably your favorite player of the 2020 season and a player who I know you're looking to get a kit of next time you head into LAFC HQ. The Moose would not be loose to kick Seattle in the caboose, as you like to say. No Danny Musovsky, not medically cleared. So this brings us to a massive chance for an LAFC player who we could have lost all of our money, house, possessions, betting on getting a playoff start, which we'll talk about in a second. And Philly, you know who else was out for this match? Your favorite LAFC player of all time you have his posters up on your wall you go to sleep with a pillow with his face on it <laughs> Andy Nahar <laughs> also out for LAFC also out hopefully out of our lives for good at the end of this season I mean you know we, we, we talked about this plenty of times everybody would say Andre Horta was the worst signing ever <laughs> You know he what? He wasn't great, though. He, he wasn't, wasn't great. great, but at least he contributed something to a stat line. And that something was minutes. Andy Nahar couldn't even 
get off the bench tying a shoe without some catastrophe happening to his his, his lower body. Uh, I mean, to I, see Walker Zimmerman getting Defensive Player of the Year and us ending up with the most valuable Bapel sucks, but <laughs> hopefully we don't have to talk about this guy. And, you know, even if I bumped into him on the street and he'd recognize me and he'd go, why are you talking so badly about me? It's like, yeah, look, life gave you a, 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 a crappy, crappy set of circumstances, but if you were me and I was you, you'd be saying the same damn thing to me too. So boo the freak who... I hope we don't have to deal and make fun of Andy Nahar anymore. I mean, I'm sure we're going to make fun of him down the road. I mean, because he is our most valuable papel at the oh. end of the day. But yeah, no Andy Nahar. And that was way too much time wasted on this <laughs> worthless roster space. Philly's just hoping he gets recognized by Andy Nahar out in public. All right, I'm going to take some time to go over Seattle's injury report. <laughs> there, there, there you the go. crickets. There you go. Gustav Svensson didn't play. Apparently, Kevin Leardom had a little bit of a hip injury, so... We had Alex Roldan, which I'll go over later on, starting. But Xavier Arriaga out with the COVID. Potentially. Uh, it wasn't It wasn't clarified, but since he was hanging out with Sifu and hanging out with Palacios on Ecuador and those two guys yeah. caught COVID, there's no doubt that, that he he had to have been the sounder that they, they mentioned I, earlier. I, I don't, as having I don't know COVID. if it was him, but here's what I know. Of the 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 guys that they used – like Bill Murray said in Meatballs, and by the way, please go check out Meatballs. It is a fantastic movie with Bill Murray. It just doesn't matter because Seattle was a well-oiled machine for Seattle, starting in goal, Stefan Fry on defense, Alex Roldan, who we like to call the other Roldan, got the start today, Yamar Gomez-Andrade, who we called the problem, and he, he was pretty much everywhere tonight, played very, very well for Seattle. Shane O'Neill getting the start along with New Who, which Philly is going to do some stuff later with Dr. Seuss and New Who, and it's, it's going to be fun. Midfielder <laughs> Joao Paulo and Christian Roldan. Forwards Joven Jones and players that we like to call the big three for Seattle because they're just so good. Nico Logero, Jordan Morris, and Raul Rui Diaz in the 18. I did notice they had all four veterans in there. Brad Smith, Miguel Ibarra, Roman Torres, and Will Bruin. But that rounds out the lineup for Seattle and Philly. Coming into it, we had one big question for this match, Seattle against LAFC. Who would start in goal? And that was answered with an answer that you and I both didn't think would be the answer. No, yeah, we spoke with Rogo the other day, and he thought, and he actually was right on this, we thought Vermeer would start. He thought Cisniega would start. Cisniega hasn't played in a little while. Vermeer has, and he hasn't been awful. I would say the second half of his season was better, way better than the first half. But yeah, Pablo Cisniega starting between the pipes. That came as a bit of a surprise. And then Eddie Segura being in the position that he was in, bit of a surprise. Mario, not so much a surprise. Blackman, not so much of a surprise. Harvey, Harvey, not really that much of a surprise either. I know a lot of people out there wanted El Manier, but I had no doubts that Bob would go with, with Harvey as veteran. Our midfield goes back to the same midfield that we had last season that was so clutch. Latif Bletsing, Edward Atuesta, and Mark Anthony Kay, who I would say for a good portion of the match disappeared. He was on a mill card. We didn't know where he was. Carlos Vela, Bradley Wright Phillips, and Christian Torres, who became the youngest player ever to start a Major League Soccer playoff. 
That was pretty cool for the young man, and I can't say he was awful. I'm very excited to see where this young kid's going to go. So God bless Christian Torres on getting that stat. Not only are you going to remember the player that scored the very first playoff goal in LAFC history, Danilo Silva, you're also going to remember now who the youngest player was to ever start a Major League Soccer match, and that's Christian Torres. Our bench, Kenneth Vermeer, Dayon, Pancho, Elmo, Duenas, Duke, Opoku, Adrian Perez, welcome back. We, You were on a milk carton for a long time. And Tony Leone, that was our LAFC roster. <sighs> and we kicked it off. I didn't have a note until the seventh minute. Oh, I had really. one. I loved it in the second minute when Segura muscled Jordan Moore as well. I thought that that was going to set the tone, Scarf, because it was the freaking Sounders that had been physical with us in the past. And with Eddie Segura muscling in and pushing down Jordan Morris, I really thought that we were going to be the attacking club. Look, it's what I said to Rogo last night on One More Sleep. I did not want to see Jordan versus Jordan, and they clearly flipped the sides. Yep. Jordan Harvey playing on the opposite side of Jordan Morris so it was Eddie Segura able to muscle him off in the seventh minute a hard tactical foul by Edward Atuesta on Nico Logero as Seattle gets out on the break so fast and I really thought Atuesta kind of had to watch himself for the rest of the half and and in the 11th minute Philly a theme that we would have occur later on in the match and look there weren't very many silver linings and moments of levity in this match. But in the 11th minute, the corner flag plays for LAFC. Great <laughs> pass by the corner flag right to Christian Torres. But they couldn't string passes together to make something work. But look, I thought immediately 11 minutes in. All right, look, we've already got the corner flag in our favor. So maybe that snowball will start rolling downhill. Seattle will see that, oh man, our own pitch is against us. The corner flag wants LAFC to win. Maybe something would happen. And one of the reasons that I love John Champion, Philly, is that I feel like I'm pretty good with words from time to time. But what I realize about John Champion is he's just better with words than I am sometimes. And I love that he called it a spirited adventure by Christian Torres as he fires the ball well over the bar. Uh, look, I'm not a big fan of Taylor Twelman, but for some reason, I am. the combination of John Champion and Taylor Twelman, and tonight, Taylor Twelman's turtleneck, which, by the way, Taylor Twelman's turtleneck, that's that'll be on your bingo card. Damn, you, you took that triple T away there from me. I go. had that in my notes that uh, I was going to say. On your defender's bingo card, please cross off Taylor Twelman's turtleneck. That was a fun little bit of banter that <laughs> we got Scarf, if you had a British accent, you'd be John Champion, and I'd be Taylor Twelman. <laughs> <laughs> in the 15th minute, a spot of bother in and around the box, but Cisniega able to punch it out. Thought Cisniega looked pretty good. This is where the problem on. starts, though, Scarf. Yeah, you know, he was able to get it out to Latif, who cleared it to Torres, and unfortunately in the 15th minute, Philly... He also cleans out Bradley Wright Phillips pretty nicely. And this could have been the the difference maker. You talked about the flat, the corner flag. The corner flag throughout the course of the first half had more touches than Bradley Wright Phillips. I don't know what happened. B-Dubs was on the floor for a little while. He was having a, a chat with the training staff. Lord knows they weren't talking about you know how they could save money by switching to Geico. Lord knows that wasn't the case. But... Clearly, that had an impact on B-dubs, and, and he was really non-existent in this match. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe we'll hear about it later on, but that was the problem, and I think right then and there, that's when at least Bradley Wright Phillips was taken out of the game. Yeah, look, it's it's hard to say if if that's what really affected him, but you're right. We didn't see a lot from Bradley Wright Phillips after the 15th minute. 
We did see something from Seattle, unfortunately, in the 18th. Raul Ruiz Diaz with a long on-the-money dime cross to Jordan Morris. Morris finds Nico Logiero, not Nico Logiero again. I, he is so talented. He is so good. I mean, that's why he's a designated player in this league. He slammed it home to the right of a stationary Cisniega, who, look, it looked like he was kind of taking a jump step to his left, and Lodiero put it to his right, so he looked flat-footed. It looked bad. I know Panda and I were talking about this after the match. I didn't think that Pablo could have got a hand on it. I thought he was in okay position, but I'll leave that to the people on the LAFC fans' Facebook page to <laughs> argue about. All of a sudden, we're down one nothing. But Philly, you got to give props to Lodiero because Lodiero because he had that chest trap pass that found its way over to Rui Diaz, and he ran from one side of the pitch opposite the other. I mean, he probably ran a good 40, 50 yards, and he ends up scoring the goal. I mean, the dude was everywhere today, everywhere. He was also on the ground a lot, whining like a little baby. But it was an impressive way to start the sequence, though. Look, Nico Lodiero is the best player on Seattle Sounders. I know they've got a lot of talent in role, Rui Diaz and Jordan Morris and. Yamar Gomez and, and everybody else, Joao Paulo, another one too, but Nico's just special. I thought, though, Philly in the 19th minute that we would get one back. Carlos Vela got taken down for the penalty. You've got all kinds of Dr. Seuss stuff happening on this, so I'm just going to turn it over to you. <laughs> Nuhu made a boo-boo fouling Carlos Vela, and Carlos Vela got that 11-meter kick, but unfortunately, Nuhu's boo-boo turned out to be Carlos is boo-hoo when it came to a shot. Yeah, Vela, I don't know what the heck he was doing. A Panenka maybe trying to trying to make here's the worst stat about it all. Stefan Fry in his previous 18 attempts let the goal let the ball go in the back of the net. And the one player, the one player who we thought could put it in the back of the net was Carlos Vela. But here's another crazy stat. This is the fifth time Carlos Vela failed to convert a penalty kick. So even though Nuhu made a boo-boo, Carlos Vela's penalty kick made us all go boo-hoo. All right, that that was a lot. We needed a mulligan on that scarf. We definitely needed a mulligan. Look, Carlos Vela was... Knew who owes Fry a brew-brew after that boo-boo. Oh, man, it's still (laughs) going, you guys. It's done there. So, 20-4 and on penalty kicks before that one. And you mentioned it, Stefan Fry, 0-18 on his last 18 PKs. 18 straight penalty kicks. He didn't even have to move. It was probably the easiest save he's ever made in his career. I mean, man... That, I'm not going to lie, that took a little bit of the wind out of our sails. But look, we know this, right? LAFC has the best offense in the league. We can score at any time. So we're still only down one. And in the 28th minute, I thought what we saw, Philly, was the nicest pass of the match, in my opinion. I know you and I kind of disagree on this a little bit. But in the 28th minute, it's Jordan Harvey with a perfect ball in the box and, and again, it looked like Vela just missed it. He got it more with his shoulder than with his head. Maybe a little bit of a mistimed jump, but I really thought the pass was there from Jordan Harvey. Another miss and another miss on a chance from our captain. Look, I, I didn't get a chance to talk about this in one more sleep, but in our 3-1 victory over Seattle just about a month or so ago when we also didn't have these same four players or Carlos Vela, we also had zero missed chances on the offensive end. We put all three away, and already we have missed our two biggest chances of the match, and both coming off of the foot, shoulder, and head of the left foot of God himself, Carlos Vela, 
it, it was it was a little disheartening to be perfectly honest and I don't know Philly I thought there we kind of entered into a little bit of a lull not much to really talk about maybe a missed handball in the 30th minute but I, I do want to mention one other thing that I said Philly in the 38th minute and that was it it was really the first time that I thought that we're really missing Diego Rossi right now. We're really missing his motor, his energy, his ability to be in the right spaces, his pace, his his ability to hook up with guys like Edward Atuesta, Carlos Vela. I, the 38th minute is where I really thought, man, we're, we're just missing this guy right now. Yeah, and you know what? Same thing with Raito. At the very least, what he would do is he would run up, give the keeper a little bit of pressure, these guys are fast. I don't want to say that Vela and B-dubs and Torres aren't fast, but Raito and Rossi are just faster. I mean, what can I say? They're, they're, they're faster. They add a little pressure. They no, add a little right. pizzazz. Right. I mean, we weren't pressing hard in the opening, in the opening half of this match. Um, we were talking about the great pass that Jordan Harvey made. I will say Vela had a great cross from from a free kick and, and he almost caught up with Segura, but unfortunately knew who uh it was there to head it out for a corner. But that that really was the 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 end of the first half. I mean there was nothing really great there and Taylor Turtleneck wearing Twelman said it best. Other than Nuhu's boo boo in the box, Seattle played a pretty blemishless first half. And if you go over the statistics, they they beat us in shots 5 to 3. On target, same points, 1 to 1. Possession, they held onto the ball longer. That was very obvious. 58 to 42. Passing accuracy, they were a little better. Corners were the same, fouls roughly the same. Offsides 1 to 1. Chances created, we had one. They won more aerials, they had better dribble success, they had better long ball. I mean, they they truly dominated us in the first half, scarf. Look, there were actually a couple of plays towards the end of that half that that I thought we might have been able to capitalize on. Christian Torres had that ball played near the box, and and I firmly believe Stephen Fry got a hand on it and and punched that ball away. You never know what can happen on a ball like that. We've seen what happens when you kick a ball right at Stephen Fry, for goodness sakes, with Laurent Simon. There were chances, right? Christian Torres, man, he he would be subbed out. We're going to segue over to the second half right now. But he would be subbed out to start the second half, but not because of a lack of, I'll say, ideas. That's what Bradley likes to say all the time, right? Bob Bradley likes ideas. And not for a lack of seizing the moment, but just maybe for a lack of poise in some situations or maybe just to try to get a little bit of change of pace there. But I was really happy with Christian Torres. We got real lucky, some great defending by Jesus David Murillo to maybe take the angle away on Raul Ruiz Diaz right there at the end of the first half. And... And that offside by BWP where we thought, oh, man, maybe maybe he could have got a good touch on the ball. He was offside. That was his, what, sixth or maybe even before that he had six total touches. You talked about that already. Yeah, the flagpole had more, man. That yeah. was our most valuable player Look, up front there. The first half was two bad misses. Not really. By LAFC, both by Carlos Vela. One bad miss by Seattle. Rui Diaz really could have had a goal there towards the end. I didn't know where Latif Blessing or Mark Anthony K went in the first half, but that being said, Philly, just one goal down as we start the second half with Mahala coming in for Bradley Wright Phillips, which moved Carlos Vela to the middle, and we saw it pay off immediately. There were dividends right away. But the other thing you mentioned, Philly, first half, LAFC not pressing whatsoever. Second half, LAFC holding a much higher line. And I've got to wonder, 
Did Bob Bradley know something about our overall match fitness with Carlos Vela coming off of injury with Christian Torres not playing a whole ton of minutes with Bradley Wright Phillips or Adrian Perez or Mahala really not playing 90 minutes after 90 minutes after 90 minutes with Mark Anthony K's injury questions with the fact that we do tend to ask a lot of Latif Blessing that we were putting Eddie Segura in a position he wasn't normally in with the fact that Tristan Blackman was coming in and not playing a lot. Are those reasons why we didn't press for the first 45 minutes and we only came back and press the final 45. But did you guys hear how many reasons I just gave and the different things that Bob Bradley and our coaching staff has had to take into account over the course of the season? I mean, come on. And we saw right away Carlos Vela making an impact in the middle of the pitch, 47th minute, a beautiful through ball by Carlos Vela. Nothing came of it, but we did get a corner that ball came out to Vela, who plays another one nice that nobody could find. There was nobody there. A couple more good chances by Carlos. And in the 49th minute, it was another foul on Carlos Vela that earned us a free kick. Edward Atuesta took it, found Christian Torres. He won a corner. Nothing came of it. And Philly, LAFC dodging a season-ending bullet, at least at the time, in the 54th minute. Yeah, Morris from New Who, and that shot he blew blue. It was a perfect opportunity to to start putting the nail in the coffin to LAFC. Thank the heavens that it didn't happen there. 56 minute, we start to see another set of subs come in. We see Jordan Harvey come out for Mohamed El Manir. I know a lot of you wanted Mohamed El Manir to start, but getting him in the lineup at this point with the game being only one nil. Adds a little bit of excitement into you. Christian Torres. Wait, come- wait, wait. Why? Can we do it for just the one time? We haven't done it a lot. Philly subbing in for Christian Torres. <laughs> we're we're going to bring something back for the millions. And millions. Of Hopefully listeners not hundreds of that have somehow hung around for Philly's Dr. Seuss and his song. And, and we haven't done this very often. But Philly, it's the only time we're going to be able to do this again in 2020. Subbing in for Christian Torres. Name that Perez. Oh, man. I mean, you might as well just take the entire thing because this is your Loyola Marymount guy, Scarf. Adrian Perez, who who had been missing for, for quite some time, he inserts himself into the lineup. And, and quite honestly, he, he almost had an assist yep. to go in to this matchup. 57th minute, Perez, great cross. Met Mahalo, who subbed in in the beginning of the second half for Bradley Wright Phillips. Sadly, he misses. God, could you imagine how unbelievable that would have been? Not only for Adrian Perez, not only for Mahala, but for the entire demeanor and vibe that LAFC could have had going through. That substitution right there almost made a difference. A minute later, Latif Blessing had a shot. Once again, saved by Fry. He didn't have to make too many attempts. 59th, Morris had a shot that hit the post again. Thank God. Two minutes after that, Ladero too with another shot that hit the woodwork. Woodwork fever for these Sounders. And if you want to play the, the, the karma, the physics angle, you're thinking, all right, you can go about it one of two ways. One, all right, these guys keep hitting the pipes. They may score again. Or 
They're so unlucky, LAFC is going to capitalize. We'll find out later what the case could have been, but this easily could have been two goals for the Sounders. They could have easily had gone up 3-1. to one. We're lucky to have survived this onslaught up to that point, and the door is still open for us to kick through at this point. All hope was not lost. Look, Philly, I wrote this note down in the 61st minute, and I, I said I would share it once we got on the podcast. Unfortunately, the Scarf Stradamus in me was only correct about the end score of the game, 3-1, not about the uh, team that would do it. But I wrote this down in the 61st minute. This game is starting to feel a little like the San Jose match, only we are San Jose this time. You get the feeling that Seattle might be getting a little frustrated that they're unable to put us away. Remember how many times, Philly, we hit the post and we missed opportunities against Seattle. Uh, I thought, man, that would really be... The, the 2020 ending of all of this, right, is if we're the team now that comes back after Seattle not able to do anything. And in the 65th minute, Philly, unfortunately, it didn't take long for my prediction to go stale yet again, as has been most of the predictions of Scarf Stradamus this year. A corner kick for Seattle. The deflection goes right to, oh, God, that man again, Raul Rui Diaz, our nemesis, a one-touch missile by Rui Diaz. The fact that he didn't try to touch it down once and get a better play on it, he he just, he one-timed it, man. He one-timed it and got all of it. And look, you can say what you want about the final scoreline. Pablo Cisniega was not the problem in this match. He got a hand on that incredible shot. Five goals versus LAFC now for Raul Rui Diaz. And and we go down. Ugh, we go down to nothing. And you just felt like, all right, we got to get one back quick. Seattle clearly trying to park the bus just about a minute or two later as they sub out Jovan Jones for Brad Smith. And LAFC really trying to change the game a little bit. We got Pancho Ginella in for Murillo and that moves Latif to wing back Segura to center back and look I'll make the joke again before you get to to talk about the goal Philly in the 75th minute the corner flag plays for LAFC again more touches than BWP oh boy he turned a corner into a throw on that one thank you so much maybe I shouldn't anthropomorphize the flag as a he Huh. That maybe it was a she. I don't know. I mean, we, hey, we have the, a word you don't the hear first very often. ever <laughs> anthropomorphized. Those are words with the scarf. We had a female referee win the assistant referee of the year. So why couldn't our corner flag be also a female corner flag? Why not? The, the flag turned a corner into a throw. And it's the same flag, by the way, that very same flag in that very same corner. Two different plays going LAFC's way. But Philly... It's game on in the 77th minute. Come on. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're in your car and you just had to turn it down, good. Because in the 77th minute over at world famous Philomonster Studios in beautiful Burbank, California, where we are recording this episode, we blew the lid off of this place thinking it was game on, Philly. 77th minute. Woohoo! Our version of a beer shower. Latif. I hit my guitar with the beer. Sorry. Latif. Finds Carlos Vela, who threads a perfect ball to Edward Atuesta. Five hole on fry, and we've pulled one back. Two to one, and that 2-0 is a dangerous lead because you can come back from it. You score one, it adds a little bit of juice, it adds some adrenaline, it 
gives you, it gave us the ability to have a slight little shoey slash beer shower. I didn't have a shoey, I had a little bit of a shower, but we're in the game. We were never truly out of the game, and we got back into the game. All right, now it's a barn burner, baby. Now we got some opportunities to really kick it to Seattle. Now we're going to put the press on them. Now we're going to pressure the hell out of them. Now they're going to park the bus. Wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. No. No. Because just three minutes later, it's Seattle on the counter. And it's that big three that we talked about at the start of the match, the most dangerous front line in Major League Soccer when we don't get Diego Rossi or Brian Rodriguez on our team. Uh, Nico Lodiero to Raul Ruiz Diaz to Jordan Morris and their big... Can we just talk about one second, Philly? They're the three-headed death uh, monster. Let's, let's talk about this, for example, for a minute here. Their third DP is not Jordan Morris. Their third DP is Joao Paulo. They essentially have four DPs. Jordan Morris is just not being paid like one. It's unbelievable to three-headed me... Three-headed death monster. ...that they are able... Three-headed death monster coming to a theater near you... It's unbelievable to me that they're able to play with essentially, and, and not like the rule-breaking, somehow Roman Alessandrini and Zlatan Ibrahimovic and, and those other DPs are all taking up spots at the same time. This is like a legitimate, no, we're, we're just not paying one guy, kind of a DP thing with Jordan Morris. How good is that front three? And almost instant response from Jordan Morris. It's 3-1 Seattle, and I'm not going to lie, Philly, I felt like we kind of got kicked in the junk there. We got nothing from a free kick by Carlos Vela in 86. But Philly, we thought just for a minute we had life again in the 88th minute. And look, I, I want to say something that's going to ruffle a few feathers here. Ooh, ruffling Car- feathers with the scarf. Yeah. The newer segment Car- next to Rants with Philly. Carlos Vela, all he did today was drop dimes. I mean, dimes on a couple of these passes in the 88th minute Carlos Vela with another dime Mark Anthony K with a header but I mean he was what a wrist offside he, he was a shoulder offside it has to be a, a goal scoring about a milk body. carton uh, offside. Yeah, well no he was he was there I mean look he showed up in this moment and he was they said his shoulder right because it has to be a goal scoring part of your body or maybe it was your your heel or your shin guard was off and so the dime that Carlos Vela drops is unfortunately all for not pinpoint passing. But but it is kind of interesting to me, Philly, that Brian Rodriguez gets vilified for only dropping dimes like this. And yet that's all Carlos Vela did tonight was put his teammates in a better position to score. And unfortunately, they, they just couldn't make it happen for Carlos Vela. Uh, I'm, I'm just upset we lost, man. 2020's regular season is over. VAR denies the goal. And, and Philly, let's be honest, not a whole lot happened nah. for the final five minutes of the match. So our season is over, Philly. It's out of the MLS Cup playoffs on the Champions League, which we'll talk about in a second. But Philly, what were your takeaways from another 3-1 defeat to the Seattle Sounders? As Yogi Bear would say, it's deja vu all over again. 3-1 to one to the Sounders. I really wanted that flounder dinner. If you look at the stats on paper, the match was pretty darn close. 13 to 12 shots that went to Seattle 
LAFC actually had more on target. Possession was roughly the same. 52-49 is basically the same damn thing. Passing accuracy, they were locked in. Chances created, roughly the same. LAFC had more corners. Seattle, more fouls. They both had the same amount of offsides, the same amount of yellow cards. But the difference being their three-headed death monster. We don't have a three-headed death monster. We barely have a fully healthy one-headed death monster. There were no death monsters from LAFC. And this is one of those seasons where, you know what? It's over. It sucks that it happened this way. And, and you can point the fingers in a lot of directions. You can say, we, we, we had a season that was rough because of COVID. We, 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 we had injuries. We had players going on international break. We had all kinds of different excuses that we can make. But point blank, we didn't play well all year. We did not play well all year. We would be great one game. We would be abysmal another game. We would go into a match thinking we would get decimated, and then we would come out and win. You never knew what LAFC team you were going to get. I would say the best match was the Leon match at the bank where we beat them 3-0. to nil. You can argue maybe that throughout the course of the MLS season there were some better ones, but we were not that dominant team. We, we just weren't. The opening match against Miami, we, we should have destroyed them. The 1-1 draw against Philadelphia, we can argue, look, they ended up winning the Supporters' Shield. But but what does that really mean? Because they didn't play everybody. It wasn't your true, honest-to-God Supporters' Shield. It really wasn't. And so, from then on, it just wasn't a good year. I think at this point, we were riding so high. We were up in the heavens. We had our heads in the clouds, our noses in the air. And, and this year, smacked the hell out of us. It brought, re, it brought reality into our lives. And that reality is we have things that we need to fix. We have holes on our club that we need to patch up. And it's great that we're going to be playing Cruz Azul in a couple of weeks. I hope to God that everybody stays healthy and we come in pissed off as hell, full of piss and vinegar, and stick it to Cruz Azul in Orlando. That sounds kind of weird. Stick it to Cruz Azul in Orlando. But hopefully the <laughs> team will, will just have some kind of fire, some kind of like pizzazz, some kind of mustard, and at least do one more unbelievable thing in 2020. Anybody's got a shot. But as far as this MLS season is concerned, it's like... We were on life support, man. So finally the plug was pulled out. Seattle was the better team. There's no debating that. We didn't leave it in the hands of the officials. I'm just glad that this is over at this point and we can go back to reassess, reacclimate, reacquaint. We there's so many things that need to happen. So many things that need to it's happen. Like to Stephen A. Club. Smith using all those multi-syllabic words in a row that kind of mean hey, the same we're, thing. I like that. Knicks fans, great Look, minds. That think being alike. said, I am never happy that the 2020 season or any season for that matter is over, but it was a lot this season. Obviously, Way too much. you talked about it. Every team has had to go through these COVID ups and downs. I feel like LAFC got hit with a little bit more of them than most of the other teams out there. I, I thought that this quote by Bob Bradley in the press conference at the end of the match was perfect. He said, the process of getting better never stops. The fact that we're out of the playoffs now doesn't stop us from trying to push our team forward. And that most certainly means that in 22 days, when LAFC takes on Cruz Azul in the quarterfinal leg of the 2020 edition of CONCACAF Champions League, that it is still on and popping. Even though we're in Orlando, back to the, I guess it's not quite the house of the mouse, right? This is the uh, the house of Orlando City SC, who 
they're still alive in the playoffs and we're not. Nashville. What a wacky game that was, Scarf, against not. NYCFC. There's just so many things happening right now. Funny stat, Philly. Yeah. You're normally the end of the match stats guy. How about all four major league soccer teams that are still alive in CONCACAF Champions League either are out of the first round of the playoffs or didn't make the playoffs whatsoever. Montreal Impact, of course. You've got NYCFC. You've got Atlanta, who didn't even make the playoffs. And you've got us as the final four MLS teams. Look, we get to exercise some demons to purge all the negativity. We've got 22 days to right the ship to make what would be an incredible Champions League comeback against Leon, lead to an incredible Champions League story where we knock off Cruz Azul, where we get to play Club America in Florida. I mean, come on. That's going to tear a lot of our LAFC fans apart. We got plenty of Cruz Azul fans, plenty of Club America fans that, man, maybe they grew up Fans of Liga Amekis a little bit more than LAFC. Where are they going to go? I don't know. Hopefully it's to the Cathedral of Black and Gold to go down on one knee or two and pray for the hope for LAFC that we are able to come through CONCACAF Champions League. It's the last gasp of something special in 2020. Philly, we've got two more episodes, by the way, before the Cruz Azul match. We are going to talk on our next episode about the LAFC season. We're going to talk about everything that went down in 2020. We'll talk about all the different positions. We'll talk about matches. We'll talk about things that happened, things that didn't happen, trades that should have never happened, players that we should have never assigned, Andy Nahar. We're going to talk about so many things on that episode, episode 131, when we're talking about the end of the season. Episode 132, Philly, we're talking about the rest of the MLS Cup playoffs. Playoffs. Go Nashville. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I Go like Nashville. It. We got a horse in the race now. This will be fun. And then episode 133, Philly. We're going to be able to recap a victory over Cruz Azul in the CONCACAF Champions League. You're, and it's on to Club America, my friend. You're missing one major milestone in the history of all of this, Scott. Oh, I'm not missing it. I just probably won't be able to record about it because you and I are going to be celebrating a little bit, my friend. Yeah, we are. A week from Saturday, Scarf and I turn two. And I don't mean that by our maturity levels. No. But we, also that. But also that. We, we, we turn two. Defenders of the Bank will be two years old. Unbelievable. I mean, gosh, we've practically spent a year, half a year away from each other, yet we somehow managed to come up with so many episodes. Scarf, two years old. I, I would give you a pat on the back, but you're six feet away, as you should be. Yes. I'm over here, so I'll give myself on the pat, a virtual pat, a proxy pat to you. Um, <laughs> that was an interesting location for that pat, by the way. Yeah, I, 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 pat I missed... on the back and literally patted his bottom. No, no, no. It was not my bottom. It was my... Your, your trick my it was in between my quad and my gluteus maximus. Gross. Yeah, we turned two, Scarf. I think that's kind of cool. I yeah, wanted the millions... The and millions. To know De- that. December 5th is the second birthday of Defenders of the Bank. That is the second anniversary of Philly finally bullying me correctly into helping start this podcast with him. And one thing I want to say before we sign off on this episode is that in the offseason, Philly and I have a ton of fantastic things planned for Defenders of the Bank. We've got some really cool stuff coming down the pipe, and I can promise you this, that season four 
of Defenders of the Bank. Season one was very, very short. Season two, of course, recapped our entire magical run to the Supporter Shield and not so magical. And season three was whatever the heck this all just was. <laughs> Bad dream. Season four is shaping up to be an incredible ride for the Defenders of the Bank. And of course, all of you out there, we could not and would not have done this without your incredible support, not just for the entire two years, because that's that's a huge deal. But more importantly, you guys, these last nine months have in very different ways for very many of us sucked. Just to, to put a nice small package around it, sucked. <laughs> this has been really hard on a lot of us, that not just this season. Let, let's put aside the black and gold, because if anything... The black and gold gave us a distraction from all of the actual suck that has been pretty much everything that has happened since about March 12th, 13th, 14th, somewhere around there. All of our lives, in some way, shape, or form, all of them, everyone out there listening to this podcast, you know that your life has changed in some way, shape, or form. And without you all out there supporting the energy that is Defenders of the Bank, we probably could not have done this. And it has meant so much to us to be able to be there for all of you as a distraction. Philly and I decided at the very start of this pandemic in March that whether it would be covering EA Sports FIFA, whether it would be covering a match inside Dave Denholm's head, whether it would be covering... Nothing at all because LAFC's match got COVIDed out for one reason or another, or whether it would be covering a run to the playoffs, a defeat, a historic comeback, a Champions League run. It didn't matter. We wanted to do this for all of you, and we are so excited for what's coming down the road in 2021 that we just hope that you guys stay with us here at Defenders of the Bank for what is going to be an incredible, incredible fourth season for LAFC and Defenders of the Bank. I mean, I'm in awe. I mean, I look at some of our download statistics, and, and I'm in awe. And and I don't say this to brag. I, I really don't. When we created this, yeah, we had our vision for it. But seeing it come to fruition, having a vision and seeing it come into fruition are two different things. You listeners out there, you helped get this pod out to 74 countries. We've broken, we, we, we're well over the six-figure mark in terms of episodes downloaded. I mean, you've been, a lot of you have been with us from the get-go, and a lot of you have picked up on us throughout the season. And I just want to say thank you from, from the bottom of our hearts. I mean, we know who a lot of you are, but I mean, there's listeners out there in Singapore. If you're listening to this, DM us. I would love to know exactly who you are. Our listeners in Mongolia, certainly our listeners in Vietnam. We get a lot of great downloads there. But wherever you are, please DM us. We're more than happy to get to know the rest of the millions. And millions. Of Defenders of the Bank listeners. Because again, like Scarf said, if you weren't out there, you know, read tweeting our stuff, tagging us, making comments, uh, whatever the case may be. I mean, we may have not gone the way we did with such a Herculean pace. I, I, I love doing this podcast with JR, but throughout the course of the pandemic, and no disrespect to the esports of it, it's not exactly fun having to only focus on video games as something to talk about. Was it cool? Was it something? Sure. But, it, but your comments and all that 
drove us to continue to keep going through the good times and the bad. You know you're going to be able to rely on us. You know that we're going to give you that podcast the next day after the game. Whether you want to relive the misery or relive the glory, we're going to be there with you for the duration of your lives, for the duration of our lives. We love what we do and we love all of you and we're going to continue to go on. And yes, this season ended in the way that it did, but next year it's going to be unbelievable and we're going to get through this together. And more importantly, fingers crossed, hopefully vaccines and all that stuff withstanding, we will get to see each other on Christmas Tree Lane. We will get to have shoeys together at Bank of California Stadium. And just hopefully we get to go back to some type of normalcy. But again, Scarf said it. I'm saying it too. Thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for sticking with us throughout this crazy flipping season. Yeah, and you know what? I think more than anything, the way that we like to end our episodes... This one is going to be a little bit more cathartic than normal. This one's going to feel like a little bit more of a release. Maybe it's if you're good at the the yoga deep breathing or the or the Pilates being able to center yourself or finding your chi. Shout out to Ben Chi, by the way. I miss that guy. It's just going to be one of those that instead of of a, a relatively happy or a relatively somber bye bye. I, I think you know what we can do when we say bye bye on this one, Philly. We can take all the frustration. All of the angst, all of the anxiety, everything that we've experienced, not just with LAFC in 2020, but with everything that we've experienced thus far in 2020. And really start to be able to focus in just two days. It's going to be Thanksgiving. And I can't think of a better holiday to come at a better time that we can center ourselves and think about everything that we are thankful for, whether it's black and gold or whether it's our family or whether it's whatever it is that we still have in our lives after nine months of frustration here in this pandemic. I got to say that this bye-bye might be a little different than some of the others because number one, it's not bye-bye for our 2020 season. It's just bye-bye for the MLS part of it. But it is a bit of a bye-bye to all the frustrations that COVID has brought to us so far you're absolutely right, Philly. Can't wait for the vaccine. Can't wait for Christmas Tree Lane. Can't wait to hear the fully throated 3252 in all of their glory, not piped in on television, but in real life. Just want to give a shout out, and I'm not going to go into details, but a deep shout out and a deep bit of love to our buddy Al Rate from Philly and the Scarf. And he knows why. And but he knows why. We're going to see him in a couple days anyway. Socially, we love you, Al. So- socially distant, of course. That being said... You guys know how we like to end our podcast. And if you want right now, before you hear us say it, take a deep breath. Put us on pause for just a moment. Center yourself. And let's just purge everything that was the negativity, the frustration, the stress, the anxiety behind everything that has gone through this MLS season in 2020 and say bye-bye.